Welcome to YesBot. This week's guest is Heather Urquhart. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of YesBot, the podcast that's about improvisation and also building robots. Those are the two things that we talk about, mostly improvisation though. Um, If you've never heard the show before, let me give you a brief summary of what's happened so far. I was out walking behind my house and I found a robot under a tree. Uh, dragged it home and repaired it because I'm a bit of an amateur roboticist. I always forget to introduce myself. My name's Chris Mead, by the way. And um, and I found out that it is actually an Improvbot 5000, a very rare model of robot that basically improvises. Uh, it's quite basic in some ways. It only has five inputs, five slots through which you can program it. And these look a bit like Nintendo 64 cartridges that you push into its back. Uh, so you have five slots five rules of improvisation to make it the very best improviser it possibly could be. And I thought, what better thing to do now than set out on a quest, a quest to to make it a great improviser. And I've got some of the best improv brains in the country and indeed the world to try and program this robot. To be honest, it's not been without its technical problems. Uh, We haven't had a working prototype yet, but we live in hope. And uh, talking about hope, this week we have Heather Urquhart on the show. Hello, Chris. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, thanks very much. We are in an idyllic log cabin. We are. Which is very nice. There's a blue sky, there's birds tweeting, I think you can hear that. It sounds, people will think I've put this on, but this is actually... This is real. This is where we are. We're we're in an idyllic setting. Mm -hmm. Um, Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure, treasure. Oh, look at you with your rhyming immediately. Um, I would like you to present your improv credentials. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, okay, hello. My name is Heather Urquhart. Um, I am a member of the Maydays Improvisation Troupe. And also I improvise with uh, Showstopper, the improvised musical, 10,000 Million Love Stories, Bumper Blight and Improv Adventure. Oh my gosh. The Concept. Wow. I don't know, you know. I like to improvise. You it's do. Fun. A lot. So do you, though, Chris Mead. I like to improvise. That's why I've got a podcast about improv. Um, yes, so pretty much if it's improvised, I'm up for it. That's my credentials. That's lovely. Well, um, you probably looking at this small gurney that I've wheeled up next to the table. Um, what you... is it? <laughs> you know what it is. It's the robot. Let me reveal it. Ta-da! Whoa! I know. I know. It's uh, It's been thoroughly rebuilt since last time it's incredible do you like my new design it's incredible yeah yeah i love the wavy bits really yeah i wasn't sure about the wavy bits no i like them okay good i'll keep them then and the go faster stripes it's an iterative process Mm -hmm. so i will keep both the wavy things and the and the go faster stripes from now on in all subsequent I mean, I'm being I'm being pessimistic maybe this one will work and we won't have to do anymore of course it's gonna work (laughs) you have hope 
Um, let me turn him over. Mm-hmm. I say him, actually, is genderless. It over. And uh, as you can see, these are the five slots. Uh, here are your five cartridges. Thank you. Uh, you just speak into them to program them. Oh, that's good. So you've got these five rules of improv that you're going to impart to it. And then we're going to turn it on and do a bunch of scenes with the robot. Are we? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, so what, what do you want me to just take this one? Yeah, take the first one. Blow the dust off it. Okay. Cool. And then, yeah, what is your first rule of improv? Rule number one. Well, I was wondering um, if I can program like an algorithm into it. Yeah, I'm up for anything. Okay. Algorithm away. So the first cartridge says observe and connect. Ooh. So um, you're going to, the robot mm-hmm. is going to look at the, the partner and then like um, see what their behavior is doing. Mm-hmm. And then they're either going to um, either sort of connect by sort of mirroring and matching with them. Or they're going to choose something opposing, but that's why I want it to be a random program. Right. So, so they observe it, and then they either kind of like match it or go the opposite way. Cool. So either a peas in a pod scene, or a kind of a opposites attract kind of scene. It or could not. be more abstract than that if the robot is able to handle it. The robot is able to handle it. I mean, theoretically, it yeah. should be able to handle that. Um, why? Why do you think that's important? What What are your observations on that? You know when you've got that thing and you're in a scene with someone and then it's halfway through the scene you're like, oh my, I haven't really looked at you. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it happens all the time. But I have to look at John a lot, so that's so, a problem for me. But. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's difficult, but um, yeah. No, I just, I think like really, really take the other person in at the top of the scene is the bottom line. I think observe is probably like, probably if I had to simplify that cartridge down, it would be that. Um, but yeah. Just really take the other person in and make sure you're building it with them, I think, is the thing. So this is kind of yes and in fancy clothing. I suppose it is, isn't it? I agree with you. I think there's a real importance to eye contact in connect. Eye contact is one way of connecting, but there should be a connection between the two partners. Yeah. Um, I like how you've put it in sort of robot language a little bit. I wouldn't have done, but you said we're making a robot. We are. So I was like, right, okay. Observe and connect. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, I was, great. like, if I was thinking about it in robot terms, like, if you boil it right down, what am I, what am I asking this robot to do? Mm-hmm. You know, if it didn't have, because I suppose I'm much more of a sort of touchy feely, emotional improviser, mm-hmm. but that doesn't work for everyone, does it? Not for everyone, but I would argue that it is something that everyone should learn how to do if they want to be a good improviser. So if a robot had to do it, what would that look like, I was thinking. So I was thinking, yeah, see what's happening with the other person and then either kind of enter their emotional state or find find a way that connects you. Great stuff. And much better than observe and destroy, which would have been a really be a risky short scene. thing. <laughs> It'd a be very a very short, yeah. short scene, I we think. We wouldn't be here no. for very much longer. No. Don't do that, please, robot. Rule number two. Define the relationship. Define the relationship. Yeah. That sounds like a very robotic way of talking about a very fleshy, organic subject. Yeah. Well, I've really, I've really gone for this robot thing. No, I love it. Okay, good. Because, um, again, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm much more sort of, as an improviser, I think, um, I've got like softer edges of the way I think about scenes. Like I'm not very technical improviser. So it's quite an interesting thought experiment to be like, okay, so if you have to really 
put put uh, put instructions to that. What is it? So I was like, well, define the relationship. Well, right, that it is an interesting thought experiment. I mean, it's really weird that this is actually happening, and I do really have a robot here that we're programming. Yes, but if we hadn't, it would have been a good thought experiment. Exactly. Mm. Um. So yeah. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be like clinical about it mm-hmm. and be like, oh right, hang on a minute. He, is it my dad? Tick. But it's more like, okay, what 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 is this thing with this other th- person or lamp mm-hmm. uh, or whatever you're playing? What to- is the relationship between me and this lamp? <laughs> yeah, exactly. These two sharks or whatever it is, what, what's the relationship? So why is it so important to do that so early on in a scene? Well, it's funny, isn't it? You said the first one was yes and in, in a fancy dress. I suppose this is who, what, where in a fancy dress, isn't it? It like, is, yeah. Who, who are we to each other? Why is this important? Why does it matter? Um, if it's two strangers, it's a lot of hard work to do in a scene before it starts getting interesting. Do you subscribe to the theory that audiences can't relax until they know a certain measure of what's happening in the scene? Because we as improvisers don't generally have costumes and don't have set that until we have defined you know, a section of this platform, the who, the what, the where, the relationship, that really the audience are squirming in their seats a little bit. Do you think that's true? I don't... So, yes, but I don't think it necessarily means um, that it has to be overt. Like, I think the audience squirm when they can see that the improvisers aren't comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think that means being like, hello, Mrs Jones, I've brought your post. What a lovely sunny day here in August in uh, Austin. that's the name of a hot sauce, August in Austin. I don't think it has to be like lay out the facts in a clinical way, but I think even for you just checking and going, hang on, what does this relationship feel like? Um, And then defining it for yourself almost. Mm -hmm. I don't think it has to be like um, endowing everything and making it too. But you need to know, and ideally your partner shares that world with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you can get on with improvising. Exactly. Just get on with it then, I think. And maybe even relationships are the wrong way. It's like, how do you feel about each other right now? Because yeah. it might be, uh, you know, there's a million friendship scenes, for example. Friends that are good friends, uh, friends that I've just met. It's, I was listening to another podcast uh, called The Liturgists, and they were talking about personality. And they were saying how everyone thinks that your personality is fixed. But my personality sitting here talking to you would be very different to my personality if I was in Syria, yeah. uh, in direct danger for my life. I wouldn't be the same person yeah. in, in terms of how I express myself. So to always think of personality as a constant is sort of folly, really. Yeah. So what you were talking about a bit, who am I in this moment? Yeah, exactly. It's really interesting. That's a really nice way of thinking about it. Because even like... You and I, in this moment, as you and me, later on today, we'll probably have a slightly different personality because we of will. the moment and, you know, the fact that we're, we're being aware, all sensible. We're, we're aware that whatever we say now is going to be heard by more people and will, in whatever small way, go down in posterity. Yeah. Which means that we pick our words slightly more. Yeah. Like we say bum less than we would otherwise. Bum. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to have to put an explicit tag on this now. Um, yeah, sorry about that. No, um, no problem. So, yeah, so define the relationship, but I don't think that means to be in a, in a ham-fisted way. It's almost an extension of the first rule, like what's noticing what's already happened mm. and having that little gift for yourself. But even if you're a beginner and it is ham-fisted to begin with, keep going, because the oh, only yeah. way we can gain any kind of subtlety 
is by practicing, right? Absolutely, yeah. There's Fantastic. nothing wrong with just naming naming that stuff. Rule number three. Check in with the improviser as opposed to the character. Oh, I like it. Check in with the improviser. As opposed to the character. Lovely. So what I'd actually wrote is like, make the other person laugh or be a bit naughty or surprise them or just remember that you're an improv scene and no one's actually going to die unless something external happens. Um, You get sniped. Exactly. But that's not in your control. (laughs) It's not. No, it's not in your domain, your sphere of influence. Um, So, yeah, it's like... Um, Imagine you did get sniped in an improv scene. It would be quite a good way to go, I think. Do you think so? Doing be, what you, you love? Yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't be aware of it. You're in the middle of doing something you really enjoy. Yeah. I wouldn't really choose it. Really bad for your scene partner, though. What, just one of you gets sniped? Well, <laughs> one of you gets sniped and then you have to think of something, like a good final line for the scene. <laughs> <laughs> what, you'd carry on the scene? You have to. If you and I were in a scene and I got sniped, you'd deliver one final line. Yeah, I would. I'm uh, disgusted. Why? Because... <laughs> I, the audience, some have paid to be there in some Yeah, but this instances. is my death. I want the last word. It's, it's ten seconds. <laughs> and then I, like, you get sniped. You're not going to get, you're not going to get up from that. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and at least we've given them a good show. That's all right. Okay, well, if we're in the scene together ever and I get sniped, yeah, that's fine. Command number three is the show must go on. I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. It's, I know it's not that. Sorry, you go on with your. Is it a bit nebulous? I mean, just... no, I understand. I yeah, do. yeah. You know the the thing I was saying before about like being in a scene with someone and then noticing you haven't looked at them. It's mm-hmm. just the same thing again. You know, because like especially when you improvise with people, often you know them pretty well. So it's just like. Okay, so obviously we're in a scene in a church and we're playing um, uh, two schoolgirls. Um, but then it's also, we are Chris and Heather. Yes. So just like really catching that person's eye and just surprising each other and remembering that it's it's improv. I may have said this before on the podcast, but I really like the idea that every scene has two scenes going on. We should call them scene A and scene B. Scene A is between the characters and scene B is between the improvisers. Exactly. And good players can tilt the scene so that either A or B catch the light more. I totally agree. And that's quite good. It can obviously be used for evil when people just go completely meta or corpse just to, like, make, they think makes the scene funnier. Yeah. But just to see the character reaction, the improviser reaction... That kind of tension between those two states, I think, is is great when it's done well. I totally agree. I mean, for me, that's much of the reason I love this art form is because you're watching two relationships, and um, and that's a delight, I think. And I think you described it beautifully because yeah, it can definitely be used for evil, and it can also be used out of fear. You know, like people mm. bailing on the reality of the scene and making it really hard for their scene partner by, you know, uh, making that too overt. But I think when it's done beautifully, it's um, it's lovely to watch that. So, yeah. So, in short, pay attention to scene B. How are you, Chris? Would be my way of thinking about it. Oh, that's so very nice. So, check in with the characters, check in with the improvisers. Yeah. Rule number four. Touch a thing or the other person. Touch a thing or the other person. Yeah. Oh, great. So, like, either pick something up or go over and ruffle the person's head i am slightly scared about programming this into a robot but why? I, well i just what happens if it touches the wrong thing i don't think it will okay no i, I have faith it's in intelligent it right well it basically has these five laws to guide its behavior 
Well, it's imaginary things. Is that going to be all right with the robot? I should say that I haven't programmed in any kind of safeguards like do not harm humans. None, it's can you program that in as well? Well, you can with one of your five. All right, so touch a thing or the other person, but as long as it's not anything that's going to hurt them or their genitalia. We can put that in parentheses. Great. From a point of observation, you're describing connecting with the imaginary uh, scene, connecting mm-hmm. with the person that you're with, yeah, and then connecting with the ima- the environment, right? Yeah. So uh, why why is that important to you? Why do you think the environment is such a, a big deal? Well, um, it looks nice. It does. That's all. That's always a bonus, isn't it? Nobody wants to watch two people standing having a chat. Or maybe they do if it was a really good chat. But I actually think the pressure then to actually say clever, funny things is more. Um, so for me, it's just about like taking the thought out of it a bit. And I think like um, I like scenes where I have like a visceral reaction to them you know so if you're watching uh people being tactile or or picking things up and interacting in their environment it just it, for me it makes me appreciate and be more drawn into that scene how did you and I, i'm going to take an example because i i think uh you're i can never say the name i always just call it 10kk what's the whole Ten thousand million love stories yes so was that a conscious part of that? Because so many of the scenes are about connection between people and they could so often be just two people professing their love for each other or breaking up. How did you fold environmental work into that? And We were a bit weird, actually. We went down to the South Bank and we watched couples right? Um, because there's so many weird things that happen in improv because you've got... Um, a lot of inner critic and like, especially if you're working with someone you don't know, you don't know if they're okay with you just um, being tactile with them. And also, also some people aren't and that's mm. fine. That's fine too. And again, maybe go back to point three on the cartridge, check in with the other person. Um, but a lot of uh, close relationships, people are in co- physical contact with each other all the time, you know? And if we're showing something on stage that we want to be realistic, then I think that should be in play depending on the characters, of course. That's so interesting. So you say if you're a lot of couples will just maintain some kind of casual contact just for a bunch of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Like on next after this podcast, check it out. Your friends, they'll sit there just with a little hand on the knee. And I think, again, with improv, because we don't do it, it means that if someone does interact in that way, suddenly it means everything. Um, whereas I think if we were more comfortable with each other in that way, then it wouldn't be a huge plot bomb. Every time someone, you know, brushed someone's hair out their eye or something. Because in life we do that all the time. Mm, that's really, yeah. And I do think there is a high preponderance of improvisers who are not okay with tactility. Yeah, and I, and I think that's fine too. So I think that's why you've got the subclause of just the environment. You know, that's that's there for you to play with and, and all that kind of thing. Because um, not everyone is cool with that. And that's fine too. Rule number five. This is my robot, right? It is your robot. You get to name it and then play scenes with it. So if in doubt, sing a song. Right. That's number five. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's not the best solution. Sure. But it's always worked for me. Good. (laughs) You do have an amazing voice, though. I know. But even if I did, you know, like, even if it just comes out like terrible. I mean, it's like, it's the worst advice ever. But it's just what I do. I am so happy that you have that as one of your bits of advice. <laughs> if in doubt, sing a song. If in doubt, sing. That's good for life too. I think so too. Oh my God, this is amazing uh, quote. Uh, it's Bertolt Brecht. And I think it's really beautiful, which is, um, in the dark times, will there still be singing? Yes, there will be singing about the dark times. 
Isn't that lovely? Uh, it, it it's very poetic. Mm. I know. I guess there is a sort of a hope in there somewhere. Yeah. I always think of Brecht as being a bit of a um, party pooper, but he probably wasn't, was he? No. He's probably all in the middle of it all. Yeah. Laughing it right up, singing it right up. Yeah, and I think you know, like not everyone's going to sing, but you know, I think like post-apocalyptic world, we're still going to go out and have a game of rounders, aren't we, if possible? Can I just because? Firstly, I think it's a brilliant bit of advice. But secondly, for those of us that can't sing or it isn't a happy place, I guess there is a bit of wider advice, which is, if in doubt, don't worry about doing the things that, that make you shine, that make you happy and on stage. So if you're great at characters or, you know, you can go to wherever your happy that's place a, is. Yeah, that, well, that's a really nice way of boiling that down, isn't it? That's much better at peace. <laughs> no, we we are absolutely putting in the the singing thing for the robot. I'm just saying, I think there is something there. And, you know, let's not shy away. Every improviser has things that they are excellent at. And we shouldn't hide those yeah. under a bushel. Do your superpower, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe there's a flip to it. It's like, a, it's like a, this, a, the flip of it, I guess, is fuck it. <laughs> you know like we are not programming that into the robot um but yeah like i suppose yeah do do the thing that makes you happy um or i suppose it's the if in doubt thing for me if in doubt sing it's like that moment of doubt it's like just you know so at the moment that you feel the most like hiding mm. do the opposite <laughs> yeah exactly like yeah when you feel yourself you know that feeling of like retreating from the scene like take five steps forward you know, make a move, make a bold choice, do something, you know, Gra yeah. grab it. So that is all encapsulated in, if in doubt, sing. So I suppose for me it's singing, but for you it might be, you know, I mean, karate me were... chops. Yeah, that's right. That is my, that's my thing. Everyone says so. I've seen you be a ninja before. I do like being a ninja. You're a ninja in Bristol. It's because I'm possessed of a fearless grace. Yeah. Physically. <laughs> if in doubt do something maybe that's better no no definitely what you said it's your robot all right if in doubt sing fantastic that is the fifth and final command that we are programming into the robot um let me turn it back over look into its little face make a connection with it and decide what it's called oh no because i wrote something down earlier on but now i feel like i should i throw that away and just like look at him again and come up with something new Whatever you want. If you think it's still appropriate, then go for it. But if it doesn't fit anymore, now you know what its personality is. <laughs> it doesn't fit anymore. It's like I've been pregnant for nine months. I've had all the names planned out. I've taken one look at its face and just gone, no. It happens so often, Heather. Yeah. What What was it going to be? It was going to be called Roy Booth. Roy Booth. Yeah. Well, that's a good name. So it's like, you know, a bit like a robot. Roy Booth. Robot. Yes. But what's, what's it's it? It's actually called... Unicorn 7000. Unicorn 7000. Oh, that's amazing. Well, so the idea now is we will turn on Unicorn 7000. There's a big red button in the middle of its chest. No, not yet. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll we'll wait for it to boot up. Uh, there'll be a few diagnostic tests and then we'll do some scenes with it. Oh, my God. Great. Press the button and let's see. Downloading performance matrix. Okay. Yep. That's booting up fine. One. Observe and connect. 2. Define the relationship. 3. Check in with the improviser as opposed to the character. 4. Touch a thing 
or the other person. As long as it's not anything that's going to hurt them or their genitalia. 5. If in doubt, sing a song. Beginning observation. Okay, he's looking around. Engaging 360 degree observation. We shouldn't be, his head shouldn't be spinning around that much. Touch something, but not other people. Is it methodically taking itself apart? It's throwing bits. Oh, ow! Oh. Beep. Oh, you're doing the noises. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we're both quite hopeful people yeah i think we are so optimistically unicorn 7000 will rise again one day i think so this is just version one yeah it'll be okay and over and above that those were good rules so i'm sure that will help someone somewhere anyway i hope so i hope so heather where else could we find you on the world wide web um probably the best place is um heatherurquhart.com mm-hmm have your own website i do i never update it though so could probably go to the maydays page because i would have spent more time updating that and then forgot about myself well, what is the maydays www.themaydays.co.uk great i just asked what is the maydays as if i didn't know i meant i meant what was the site so you you're answered a the right mayday question. too aren't you Chris? well i am yeah it's mm. very exciting and uh at music improv Ooh, that's where you are on the twitter yeah fantastic well, I do hope that many you will gain many followers from this episode. Thanks, Chris. You have gained me as a follower. Thank you. And for all of you out there, thank you so much for, uh, you know, listening to the podcast. And if you want to leave us a review or write to us, uh, all of those contact details are coming up in a moment. Otherwise, just do what you will. Take these rules and go out and be the best improviser you can possibly be. Uh, until next time. This is me, Chris Mead. And this is me, Heather Urquhart. Saying cheerio for another week. Toodle pip. Bye. Thank you for listening to YesBot. You can talk to me on Twitter at YesBot5000. Hey, why not join our listeners group at facebook.com slash group slash YesBotClub. You can also email me on yesbot5000 at icloud.com Your host was Chris Mead Find him at Mr. Chris Mead on Twitter The Yesbot theme was composed and engineered by Fred Deakin Yesbot logo and graphics by Kind Studio Okay, I love you. Goodbye.